On this episode of the Sacred Playgrounds podcast, we're making the case for the Christ hike and other experiences like these that can immerse a camper in the narrative of God, the story of Christ, and can help them see themselves in that story. Welcome to the Sacred Playgrounds podcast, where we turn numbers into stories and data into insights. We dive deep into theology and research paired with practical wisdom and action steps to help camping ministries thrive. I'm your host and producer, Jared Rendell, a camp enthusiast and part of the Sacred Playgrounds team. This podcast features Dr. Jake Sorensen, a scholar, author, practitioner, and the founder of Sacred Playgrounds. Be sure to subscribe, submit a question to us to be featured on the podcast, and click that support button to help make these episodes happen. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Sacred Playgrounds or at sacredplaygrounds.com. Wonder with us what God might have in store at your sacred playground. Welcome to the playground, everyone. The Sacred Playgrounds podcast. Jared here. Jake is with me. Hi, Jake. Hello, Jared. So good to be together virtually <laughs> Again, this time. I got to see your face last week. I mean, I think most folks know, but like our, our team isn't, we don't all live in the same place. Um, and so it is nice. Uh, it is nice to see people in person sometimes. So we were together last week. Um, like lots of, you know, it's conference season. It's like camp conference season. So whether it's national gatherings or regional gatherings or whatever it is, it's conference season. So we got to see each other last week, have some meals and some time at a table and, and things like that at the Lutheran outdoor ministries conference. Uh, which was a blast. One of our partners for a handful of things. And uh, I think our Presbyterian camp friends are meeting this week. Is that right? That's right. Presbyterians are meeting this week. And um, we've got the 3CA conference, Christian Camp Conference Association conference coming up at the end of November this year. And so that's, that's right. coming up right around the corner too. And then American Camp Association will be um, in February or January. And I think the Episcopalians are meeting in January. So there's, it's just, it, we're in the conference season, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, and it's so good to see everybody in person. So I like to get mm-hmm. to as many as possible and, and see our wonderful colleagues in person. I think that's so valuable because we are upfront face to face sort of people. And when we can do it in person, that's, that's the best. Truth, truth, truth. All right, Jake, we have plenty to dive into today. Um, before we do, let's uh, ask our quick camp question. So this question comes from Rebecca Sheriff. We were asking folks, hey, we need some we need some questions. What are you wondering about? And this was a great question that um, that she asked. Rebecca asked this. How can specialty activities go beyond fun and become methods for sharing the gospel? Right, so we've got, all, you know, we've got these activities, these, these, you know, these special things we do a lot of times. They're part of our unique identity. So um, there's going to be more to say about this. Can I can you give kind of an initial gut reaction, though, and that like how how can these things go beyond fun and become methods for sharing the gospel? What are a couple ideas there? Yeah, absolutely. So, so when we think about a question like this, I mean, this is something that camps do really, really well. Like we talk about camps as participatory. We talk about camps as mm-hmm. faith centered. And so we want all of our activities to be done with a purpose, not just to waste time or as, uh, you know, to just be silly, but also what are we doing through this? So if we're being silly, it's to be joyful because joyful is something that we're, we're called to be. Um, and so we can, it's, it's okay to do some things that are just for fun, right. 
but always with a purpose of, are we building community? What are we teaching the campers when we do this? So I encourage people to think about that every time when you're doing a game or activity, think about what the purpose is behind it. Think about what you're teaching and how are you sharing the gospel with this particular activity? How are you bringing faith into it? Sometimes that's very intentional and you're, 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 you're building an analogy between the activity and the faith formation. And sometimes it's a little more general, right? In terms of like, we're building community, we're, we're practicing joyful living, um, we're, we're practicing care for creation as we do this activity, different things like that. But always consider um, what is the main thing that the campers are going to take away from this? What are they being taught? And if, if they're being taught something that is contrary to the gospel, then it's time to change hmm. the activity. So, so, so a lot of times these activities that get uber competitive at camp, think of things like capture sure. the flag. You know, sometimes the counselors can get over the top on things like that. And so and some of the campers can, too. Right. And so they're being taught that if you're not athletic enough, you're not going to be good at this activity and you're not as an important part of the team. Always consider processing the activities. I I strongly encourage people to do this. You're Mm -hmm. doing challenge course. You're doing a game. Always process something and have a Mm -hmm. have a system of processing. So the system that I use is drag big where. Um, you do the activity, you reflect on it, then you analyze, you generalize, you biblicize, bring it, bring the Bible into and alongside the activity and you generalize again, how does this apply to our lives? And so that becomes super, super important. Um, one of the acronyms that I know some camps use is GWAP, games with a purpose. So are you mm-hmm. doing games with a purpose or are they just time fillers? Um, because we don't want them to just be time fillers. We want that. We want you to have a, an, an idea and a theory um, behind it, what are we actually teaching the camper? Yeah, I'm. So I'm hearing, and this is we, we've thought about this. I'm hearing intention on the way in and connection on the way out. So we're doing stuff on purpose. We're we're asking that question each time we're building a program. Hey, is this what's what's the purpose of this? And and then to that connection, that like debrief, debrief everything, make that connection or something, especially that part because if they take that home. That's where I get, you know, even further, if they take that home, that idea that any part of my life can can be something that tells me about God or who God is and my place in the world. That's amazing. So um, that's helpful. Yes. So there's some ways to do that. And especially that debrief connection, find some scripture, things like that. Get us there. So thanks for that. That makes sense. All right, Jake. So this question got us thinking a little bit about uh, about these kinds of things, about these kind of specialized activities. Often these specialized activities are things that we tell stories about. Hey, I remember at camp when this, right? They're the things that have left a mark on us. They've made memory for us. So I'm curious about, about one for you yeah. from your own camp experience. My very first camp experience, I was in confirmation. So that's part of our Lutheran tradition. So I was a confirmation student kind of going through the catechism and, and learning more about the faith, trying to own the faith, things like that. And the confirmation pastor required us to go to camp as part of the, part of the experience. So I went to camp. To camp. Sure as part of the confirmation program and didn't really go under duress, but was interested in the experience and really connected with my counselor. And we connected over all sorts of things, but I, I appreciated it, his depth of faith. I appreciated the way he brought uh, faith alongside popular culture references, especially star Wars. Like he was a super, uh, he was super into star Wars and so was I. So we would quote lines back and forth and that became kind of a thing throughout the week. And so it just helped me envision faith in a different way. Um, and so, you know, I really looked up to him. And at the end of the week, the last night, we did this activity called the Christ Walk or the Christ Hike. And essentially what this program is, is the mostly the counseling staff, uh, but sometimes there were campers involved, would act out the life of Jesus. And the campers would walk along as a hike 
and, you know, walk with Jesus through the ministry and then through the trial and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And what I remember the most about this first Christ hike experience that I had was that my counselor, Brian was his name. He was one of the Pharisees in the Christ hike. And so he was asking questions of Jesus and challenging him the whole time and everything. But then when we got to the scene where Jesus is being tried before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate is giving the crowd, which was the campers, the campers served as kind of the crowd in Jerusalem, the choice of who do you want to release Barabbas mm-hmm. or Jesus? Right. Right. And, and, and what should I do then with Jesus? And this is what I remember. I remember my counselor who I was looking up to as this example of faith. I remember him shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And he had this, you know, angry look on his face and all this. And, and he was trying to rile up the, the other campers to shout crucify him. And I remember just this, this feeling, this very visceral feeling of, oh mm. my God, this is such an immersive experience. We are the ones shouting for Christ to be crucified. And, and the sacrifice of Christ uh, it became really real for me in that moment, you know, as a, as a seventh or eighth grader, whatever I was at the time. Um, but also how the people were complicit in this and that I was part of the people, right? That I was standing down there. You know, sometimes as Christians, yeah. we always we, we, we consider ourselves, you know, the ones that are proclaiming the gospel and, and spreading the good news. We're the good guys. And, and, and flipping that around, mm-hmm. it was really helpful for me to see uh, where I was standing and what my role is in spreading the gospel in this world. So that was that, that experience um, is something that I really, really remember and it. And it hit me pretty hard. And we, you know, we processed it of course afterwards and we were in the cabin group and we were talking to him and, you know, he was playing a role, but also just the seriousness of it uh, mm-hmm. talking through that about what it meant to him to play that role, to understand our complicity in the shouting of crucify him. And, and what is our role in, in, in pounding the nails mm. and being the accusers? I have some memories of a, of a similar, this one wasn't, you know, this wasn't necessarily a, you know, a, a hike like that, but I remember this. I remember that feeling. Um, we would do, when I was on staff, we would do a summer drama. Like the staff would put together kind of a, a drama. And when I was program mm-hmm. directing, I got to write a couple of those. It was one of my favorite things that I ever did. And sometimes we would do those as like they would call them human videos, right? So like live acting to to music is is kind of how we put those together sometimes. And it was a Biwa Norman song from the perspective of a nail, from the perspective of the piece of metal that in each each verse, this piece of metal is slowly formed into figuring out its purpose mm-hmm. and eventually realizes the the purpose of my life was to take the life of a guiltless man. Those can be really amazing. Those deep, immersive experiences, especially like you're talking about. And lots of our camps have these experiences like this where, and sometimes we've done this for decades even, right? Whether it's a Christ yep. hike, like, like the one you're talking about, there, there are lots that do that. Or, or others have these, you know, these different moments where um, we work, you know, we work toward it maybe during the week and we get to this spot where we are immersed in an experience. Yep. And like you said, it's often those experiences that are really leaving a mark. So there's something there to these kinds of experiences is, is the point. Absolutely. And, and we can be very intentional about these and how we, how we structure them. And I encourage camps to be very intentional. I, in fact, I mean, I encourage every camp to do these immersive story experiences with their campers 
to help immerse them in the story because it's sometimes so easy to say, oh, this happened thousands of years ago. Does this really apply to me? Um, how do I contextualize this? Things like that. Sure. And, and with especially with these young people, to help them understand the story, acting it out is one of the best methods we can use. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do this with Bible studies a lot of times. Okay, we're reading the story of the Good Samaritan. Let's, let's read it again, but let's act it out this time. You know, and, and right. that's such a better way of, of helping the campers understand the story than reading it to them or, or doing a sermon to them, right? The youngest kids, you know, Noah's Ark, right? Let's reenact Noah's Ark. You be the animals, get on mm-hmm. the ark. And it just, it helps them see the story and see themselves in the story and see the salvation narrative. We think of these acting out and this, these immersive experiences as so important. We can be super intentional about that with something like the Christ hike. So, or a Christ walk. And I, sure. I really encourage camps to consider doing this. If you don't do it, um, consider why, you know, what are you doing on those last nights? Um, the, the, the immersive experience of a Christ walk where the campers are actually not just spectators, but they're participants in the story becomes really important. So you talked about a passion play. I've seen camps do those, right? And so, um, and some are done better than others. And so sometimes we roll our eyes and That's things true. like this and say, oh man, this wasn't done very well. And so like you, I was a program director, right? And I got to write some of these things, be super creative about the stories that we were using, how we were taking the Bible study stories from that, whatever the theme was that summer and making sure those were woven into the narrative of Christ's life. That became really important so they could see them in context, right? Mm-hmm. And so you spend a lot of time doing things like that and then now in my, in my, in my role as a consultant and as a visitor and things like that, I get to visit camps and see how they do it differently. And, and so I was at this camp and I was watching their experience and they did more of a passion play where the campers were seated, but there, it was, a, there was a musical to it. So, so, so there were a lot of songs that the campers were participating in. And, and so that kind of helped with the emotion a little bit, but they were more, they were seated in rows and it was more, sure. they were spectators and the, and the counselors were down below. Right. And you know, I'm watching this and, and, you know, some of the, some of the performances are sort of like, okay, they're, they're trying their best. You know, it's not, it's not that good. Oh, I would have done this differently. And I'm sitting there from a, from a perspective of critiquing it and being like, this is pretty lame, you know, like, should we be doing programs like this? And, you know, as I'm, as I'm thinking through this, I look to my left or my right and I, I, I see these campers just crying mm-hmm. as they experience this narrative. And it really brought me up short because, you know, so, so often we're thinking about quality, Oh well, our, our counselors can't act and it's just going to be contrived and things like that. Um, but these counselors are also people that the camp, those campers were, are having a strong relationship with, like I had with my counselor. Like you had with yours. And right? seeing them take on that role can be incredibly emotional mm-hmm. and, and help with the, the immersion experience there. I really encourage camps to do this. So, so here, here's, here's what a Christ hike can do, right? It can put these stories of Christ in context and in a narrative form. So we might know some of these stories or these parables, uh, Jesus did miracles, things like that. But to actually get the narrative of it from baptism to crucifixion, we, we don't often get that. We always get a snippet when we're in church or when we're doing a Bible study. It's always just this little piece. and. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes during Holy Week, we'll do the passion story, you know, we'll read the whole story. But a lot of people don't come to those services. Right. So we've designed our liturgical year to be immersive and experiential. 
and especially Holy Week. If you practice the liturgical calendar, you know this, that on Palm Sunday, we wave our palm branches. And a lot of times we process, we walk around. It's part mm-hmm. of the immersive experience at church, right? And then on, on, on Maundy Thursday, we oftentimes have a meal, at the very least, you know, communion at the rail, but, but sometimes a meal alongside of it. And then on Good Friday, it's usually very experiential and immersive, either with a, you know, candlelight service. Sometimes there's, you know, acting or sound effects, right. things like that. Um, and, and so... And then, then on, on Sunday, you know, it's this big celebration service. So we kind of go through the passion um, narrative with Christ, uh, but not everybody comes to all those services. Right. Um, and so how can we do this at camp in a way that really helps the campers see the, the narrative scope of this and, and Jesus ministry and his disagreements with the authority figures and his betrayal and his arrest and crucifixion and resurrection, get that, get the whole sweep of that narrative. And, and so, yes, a passion play can do that. The advantage of the Christ hike, and this is why I would make the case for the Christ hike, so to speak, is that I'm not just watching it. I'm not just hearing it. I'm also living it. Right, you're I'm also experiencing it. So, <laughs> so I'm one of Jesus followers. And so if you do the feeding of the 5,000, I'm part of the crowd that he's teaching, part of the crowd that he's feeding. And during the trial scene, I'm part of the crowd that's shouting crucify him during the, the Palm Sunday scene. I'm, I'm part of the crowd waving the palm branches. So, so one of my favorite things to do as a, as a program director, when I was kind of directing these Christ hikes is to make sure that all the campers were lining the road when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and, and waving branches, laying them down, things like that, right. so that they're part of that celebration singing Hosanna. And then just a few minutes later, they're part of the procession down the streets of Jerusalem where Jesus is carrying the cross. Right. And and the the Roman authorities are are tossing him to the ground and things like that. So 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 kind of that experience of of Jesus walking through the crowd and you're part of that crowd. Um, and it's it was the same crowd, right? It was Jerusalem both times. It was the same week, and he's walking through this crowd once as a hero and coming king, and then as a condemned mm-hmm. criminal. You know, a few days later. So having these experiences can can really help put you into the story. I sometimes hear from colleagues. And critics of, of these experiences that, you know, we got to be really careful because this can be manipulative and things like that. And I, I agree that we need to be careful. And this is part of what we do, again, liturgically. You know, if, if you're walking through the Holy Week experience, we're doing this in church. You know, we create our, our worship spaces in ways that are experiential. Mm-hmm. Jesus gave us tangible sacraments, you know, because we need these immersive experiences. Right. So we've got baptism with the waters and, and the oil and all of this a ceremony. We've got communion. Jesus said, do this thing in remembrance of me. And so we reenact this last supper. For some of us every Sunday, for some of us less frequently, but this is something that Christians from all different traditions do mm. is this reenactment. And it's that immersion experience. And sometimes it hits you. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. Uh, but sometimes I'm sitting there. Or, or kneeling there with the bread and the wine in my, in my hand and in my mouth. And it really hits me mm-hmm. of, of Jesus sacrifice and the yeah. forgiveness that I'm in need of that I can now tangibly taste and hold. And so I encourage camps uh, wholeheartedly to, to really consider how are you structuring these experiences? How are you making space for something like a Christ hike? Um, because telling the story in this way, it can be so meaningful. And, and so important for the campers. 
we'll ask everybody soon. Part of your calls to action are going to be to share some of some of your ideas, your examples, your things like this that have met similar purpose, that have made that kind of connection highly experiential, immersive. Um, you know, connection not just not just for sake of the emotions, but especially when they you know get to be part of the story and connect their own life, their own story to it. Um, are there are there other other examples? Um, I mean, of oh course, there goodness. are. And, and yeah. we're hoping to hear, you know, we'll, hopefully folks will share some, but I'm curious others that you have seen that, that maybe met that purpose, made that connection. Yeah. So absolutely. There's, there's so many different examples of how we can lead people through these very immersive experiences. And some can be done, you know, some are done really well and some are done poorly. We have to make sure we're doing it well. Right. And so anytime you do a program like this, really think it through. How are we doing it and why are we doing it and, and how are we going to debrief it? it? Yep. And what are we train teaching it. the campers when train we do it, this? Exactly. But, but realizing this, this is part of who we are and, and, and it's biblical. Doing these immersive experiences is biblical. We talked about Jesus institution of the last supper, you know, as, as it's immersive experience. Um, one of the, the practices of the, the Jewish people, of course, is the practice of the Seder meal and the Passover meal. And so mm-hmm. if you've ever been invited to a Jewish Seder meal, it, it is very experiential and immersive. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and the youngest child is always asking the questions, right? Why are we eating the bitter herbs? What is the meaning of this? Right. And so there's all these different parts of the Seder meal and, and, and the bitter herbs stand for a specific thing. And, and all the different things that you, that you have during the Seder are part of the experience and part of the teaching. And you reenact this year after year. So it's a liturgical thing, right? This goes all the way back to, to early biblical times. So you think of uh, the Jews at the temple when they would bring their offerings before God. There was, a, there was a prescribed thing that they were supposed to say. And this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 26. Um, when, you bring, when you bring your tithes, when you bring your offerings, the first fruit of your harvest, you're supposed to say, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. Now listen for the change. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, terrifying display of power with signs and wonders. He brought us into this place gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given to me. Do you see the change? in? So this is a, a liturgical act when you're bringing your offering. And you say, mm-hmm. you, you start to tell the story in the third person, right? So Abraham went down to Egypt. He was few in number, and then he became a mighty nation. And then we cried out to the Lord, and we... and. These are people that weren't there, right? This is hundreds and even thousands of years later. And they're reciting this because this is our story. It's not their story. I am part of this and I am part of this narrative. And so at camp, we have the opportunity to really bring people into this narrative and help them understand who they are, who they are as people called by God, who they are as disciples of Christ, who they are as children of the most high. Another thing to think about with Jewish camping is, there's Jewish camps all over the country. We're not, we're not just, we don't just have Christian camps and, and secular camps. There's a, oh, a lot, hundreds of Jewish camps. And Jewish camping is unique because Jews are not the dominant culture in the United States, not by a long shot, right? And, and so there, there have always been these historical challenges for the Jewish people. And there's been oppression over and over and over again. 
And so the Jewish camping experience is an opportunity for these young people to go away to camp and be Jewish unashamedly and around Mm. other Jews and learn the language. Whether uh, there's some that are Yiddish camps still, so so they would they would learn Yiddish. Others that that would that would be speaking Hebrew and learning the the meaning of the Hebrew, um, and 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 doing some of these liturgical acts at camp, and uh, so so it can be an enculturation process. Who am I mm. as a child of Israel? One of the experiences that I'll just mention briefly is most of the Jewish festivals don't fall during the summer, right? You know, so so some are in the in the fall right. or in the winter. The big you know, ones that you know you, you about. Think, you yeah. think of some of the big ones, you know like the, the Jewish New Year and the Day of Atonement and, and you think of uh, Hanukkah and all these other ones. But there's, there's one that falls in the summer <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a commemoration day of Tisha B'Av. And most people don't know what this is, right? But it's actually a commemoration of Jewish suffering. And so traditionally on this day was the day that the, the first temple was destroyed. It's the day that the second temple was destroyed by the, by the Romans. It's the day that the Warsaw Ghetto was cleared in 1942. Um, and so there's, these instances throughout Jewish history of deep suffering on this day. And it usually falls during late July or early August because, uh, because the Jewish year is a, is a lunar calendar. And so at camp, they'll oftentimes commemorate these things with fasting, but also with interactive programs where mm-hmm. they will actually reenact some of these things. And so after the Holocaust, you know, with this newer generation of, 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 of Jewish young people in the fifties and sixties, when there was a lot of affluence in the community and in the country, being reminded of the horrors of this Holocaust helped them remember who they are as Jews and, and remember the suffering that their people had endured. It's really interesting. I was reading some of the writings on, on this and everything. Yeah. And one of the people that writes about it is my colleague, uh, Sandra Fox. She's got this new book, The Jews of Summer, which I, um, I recommend to people. Um, uh, but she writes about this and some of the reenactments. And some of the reenactments are very intense. Right. Like they're reenacting sure. the clearing of the Warsaw Ghetto. They're reenacting kids going to concentration camps. Wow. And, and then, you know, as an immersive experience. Right. And so people are in our role playing, you know, the, the role of wow. Nazis and things like that. And so and then processing that, you know, what what does it mean to be Jewish? What are some of these things that we've gone through as a people um, and, and suffered through but endured? And so it's really interesting. My, you know, my, my colleague, she'll write about Jews have experienced all this suffering and these defeats, but they actually turn these defeats into something that is part of their identity and, and part of how they, how they interpret God's faithfulness in perpetuating them as a people. Mm-hmm. So I use that as an example because, you know, we sometimes we, we worry about being manipulative, right? So it has to be done well. You can imagine something like the Tisha B'Av commemoration being done very poorly. You know, and I actually, I, when I was preparing for this, I, I texted my, uh, my sister-in-law who, who, who's Jewish and, and, and grew up going to summer camp and asked her if, if she had this experience. And she said, no, I had to look it up on the internet to find out what it was. And I'm actually horrified. It sounds, it sounds really frightening. And, yeah. you know, um, and so like, obviously it has to be done very, very carefully and well, and sometimes, Intentionally. It's, not. sometimes it's much more manipulative. Mm-hmm. And so we got to be careful about things like that. Right. The same with the programs that we do. You know, you think about programs that that sometimes get a bad rap at camp. Something like Romans and Christians right, is, right, a, right. is a traditional immersive experience. And for those who aren't familiar, uh, this would be a reenacting kind of the first, second, third century Christianity, the early church, where it, it was not legal to be a Christian. 
and during a time perhaps of persecution by the Romans. And uh, so the, the, the campers traditionally take the part of being Christians and maybe they're looking for the secret place of worship or the house of worship. And then sometimes the counselors or others are, are, are the Romans and you don't know if they're kind of the good guys or the bad guys. Right. So right. oftentimes they're, they're putting you in jail for being a Christian, you know? So there's this, this sense of persecution um, and, and this reenactment, like, what does it mean to be a Christian when it's acceptable or not acceptable? Are you willing to stand up for your faith? Things like that. And so, so having these discussions can be, can be powerful. So I would certainly urge caution if you do something like Romans and Christians, but I wouldn't immediately sure. discourage it either because it, I think it can be done well. Sometimes you just got to watch the intensity of, you know, sometimes it's the simple things, yeah. yelling at kids too much or, or whatever it might be that causes problems there. Yeah, we're, we're not trying to frighten them, that's not right? What we're saying. That's, that's not what we want to do. We want it to be a, a little bit of a visceral experience as well. And so it's okay to be uncomfortable, but it's not okay to make them unsafe. And so always remembering those things in terms of how we're creating a safe space at our camps. Bring us to a, to a where do we go from here, right? I mean, we've called this action, you know, a few times is, is, to, is to consider this. And, and maybe there's something at your camp that serves kind of this purpose right now. If there is, to both check, you know, even, even back to our camp question, to both check the intentionality the purposefulness, the meaning on the way in, right? Do these things on purpose, not just because it's, we've done the same thing every summer for, you know, for so long, of course there is value in tradition, but each, each time we can revisit and make sure that we're doing that on purpose. So to check our intention on the way in and then to make the, they make the connections on the way out again, make those conversations, Absolutely. that debriefing, that biblical connection and that personal individual life connection for whatever these experiences might be. So remember that the, the, the reason that we do these things is to invite the young people into the story. It's not to elicit, you know, an emotional experience, right? We're not trying to get them to cry. That being said, emotion is okay, right? Think of a Good Friday sure. service. Sometimes we're going to get emotional. Mm -hmm. Think of a play that you've gone to. They're, they're designed to be emotional. It's not, it's not manipulative automatically if it elicits an emotional response, right? It's about how we do it and the why that we're doing it. And so if you think of, the, the passage from Deuteronomy 26, right? Point is, I bring this as a memorial and as an enactment of who I am and what I've been through and what my people have been through. And so I'm experiencing this as someone who is a child of God, as someone who does identify with this story and put myself into the story. And so what stories can you do that with? You can do that with pretty much any of these stories, right? And so we talked about reenacting some of the, the biblical stories. Absolutely. Do that during Bible study and things like that. Sure. The bigger programs, the Christ type, I, I would certainly recommend. Um, something like Romans and Christians, maybe they'll be careful with something like that. Think about something like, um, how can we have an interactive experience of the Exodus story? Um, one of my favorite uh, camp memories was when I was at Crossroads Outdoor Ministries in New Jersey and um, their, their confirmation ministry in the synod of New Jersey had the tradition of, of reenacting the Exodus during a camp experience. And so the campers would come to camp and it was like, welcome to Egypt. Joseph is here. And you know, we're all gonna, mm -hmm. we're all friends with Pharaoh and everything. And you go, you have a big party right on the first night. And the next morning you wake up and Joseph has died and now we're all going to be enslaved. Right. And so they kind of go through this experience mm -hmm. of slavery, quote unquote, in Egypt, learn about the plagues and the Exodus and reenact the Exodus. So like, I remember these kids 
you know, like going out of Egypt, like hurrying. Right. And like we had the maintenance guy on a tractor and they were the chariots, you know, and the kids had the crossing (laughs) of the Red Sea. So we reenacted all that. That was the one that was in my head. You know, how did they get the Atlantic Ocean to part? That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually there was there was a pond on camp and and a creek. And so there was a crossing there that we could we could reenact the crossing. But but, you know, taking these different places of camp and making them very immersive. Right. And doing the same with your Christ Dyke. Right. So if you've got a pond, great. It's the Sea of Galilee. You got a creek. Great. It can be the Jordan River. Uh, You've got a hillside. Great. It can be the Mount of Beatitudes. Right. So so using these spaces um, and making them interactive and immersive. Um, as as stand-ins for the actual biblical spaces so that it can be more experiential in that way. So reenacted the the Exodus story. You can reenact stories from Acts, of course. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. all sorts of different programs that you can do. Um, One year at a a camp I worked at, um, my assistant program director came up with this amazing interactive game that uh, talked about hunger in the world and sharing. Mm -hmm. And so there there was a limited number of resources and campers took it as a competition at first, you know, competing for these resources. And that meant some people didn't have enough for basic necessities like food and housing and things like that. And we processed that and talked about economics sure. and talked about what are we called to in this world? And so it was a, you know, it was an hour, hour and a half long activity where they were going all over camp, doing the, having this very immersive experience, but then learning about this. Um, and we did that in the context of we packaged meals you know, one of the, for one of the meal packaging programs to send abroad yep. to people in need and, and talking through that and, and, and had a, had a little meal that was experiential as well, a, a sort of a hunger meal, um, that, uh, you know, it just, it really helps with their bodily knowing, you know, so what are we teaching the campers and why, right? How are we inviting them into this story, um, in ways that they will remember long-term and, um, that they can interpret as part of their life. This is part of my story. If you've got these and if you've got a certain idea, because let's just let's do this together. If you've got a certain thing that, that your camp does that connects these things, these main foundational things of these immersive experiences that, like Jake said, it, it puts them into the story. It helps them see themselves uh, in it as well. We'd love to hear some of those. So whether that's comments on Facebook or shoot us an email or comments on the on the post on the website, whatever it might be. We'd love to hear some of those. If you've got a little write up of that, um, you know, an explanation of that, an explanation of the of the connection, the biblical connection you make or the debrief that you, that you do. We'd love to see those others take a look at, at others, you know, comments that they've made. Jake, before we go, we got a quick stat to share. Bet of the week. Bet of the week. Bet of the week. Okay. Our stat of the week this week comes from the Outdoor Ministries Connection Director Survey. And so this went out to all of our Outdoor Ministries Connection directors, which represent over 700 camps throughout the United States and Canada. And 16% is the stat. 16. 16% of these camps offer financial assistance to more than half of their campers. More than half. Yep. So more than half of their campers receive financial assistance. In fact, some camps give 100% scholarships so all of their campers receive the full tuition cost of camp which is pretty amazing that's only a small fraction of camps but it's you know 16 percent give this financial assistance to more than half of their campers well that's a lot right that tells us you know when we're in this we're in this time of budgeting and we're in this time of kind of prepping for the summer ahead um that there are there are families that have two 
realities going on. They want to send their kids to camp. And they have a hard time doing it from a from a financial perspective. And we know that from the parent survey, right? There's a we lot do. of parents that are concerned about the cost of camp and the cost of camp has been rising. We've seen that. And so the 16%, I, I, I wish that was higher, you know, and hmm. and so we're, we're asking this question, not, OK, do you just have a lower overall cost, you know, because you're getting donations and everything? Of course, that's true right. at, at most or all of our camps, um, but additional camperships that bring that cost down. That's what we're looking at here. And so I think we can get that number higher. Yeah, I think we can publish a cost and we can say we're going to give uh, more, more camperships and more scholarships for, yeah. for young people to attend. Cause clearly those kind of programs matter, right? Absolutely. They, they are valuable. Yeah. Thanks Jake. There's our stat of the week. As we go, Jake. Really consider the programs that you're doing. What are the games that you're doing at camp? The activities, how are you processing those things? How are you weaving the story and faith formation into those things? So they're not just silly games, but they're games with a purpose. That's one thing. And two, what is that big program you're doing, that big immersive program that can really help the campers get into the story? Um, I hope that you're doing a Christ hike. I really encourage you to do those things. Um, there can be a, a, other options as well. Um, and you can do these on multiple nights during the summer. You guys are creative. I, I know that you can put these things together. Weave them together. Have your counselors participate. Gather their ideas. And it's going to be an awesome, awesome program, an awesome summer for your campers. Hope things are going well, friends, as you work towards staff, as you do what we talked about today, as, you, as you're thinking through those programs and getting those things in place, connect with us if you want some support there, because we love helping you thrive. And we'll see you next time on the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash sacredplaygrounds or at sacredplaygrounds on Instagram. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you like this content and it's helpful, you can support the podcast by clicking that support button. Our theme music was written and performed by Taylor Wilson. You can find all his original songs wherever you get your music. Learn more about what we're up to and connect with the team at sacredplaygrounds.com.